And we shall welcome aboard, once again, uh, our friend, uh, the author of many, many great works at the imaginativeconservative.com website, the editor of the St. Austin Review, a professor of uh, literature at Aquinas University, and an all-around great fan of G.K. Chesterton and good guy, Joseph Pierce. Now, can you live up to that, Billing? Mr. Pierce? Well, that and much more, Mike, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, I like your understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was playing Come On, Eileen, uh, you're, from the, uh, you're from the UK. You grew up with that song. Was that the first time you ever heard the words sang intelligibly? Uh, <laughs> actually, probably yes, truth be told. Because <laughs> I know in the old version of uh, by Dexy's Midnight Runners, you would struggle to make out anything other than "Come on, Eileen." <laughs> exactly. At least it made sure you, you you concentrate on the chant. That was the important thing. What about being mindless and rhythmic, like modern life? Yes. How modern of uh, of them, <laughs> modernist and rhythmic. Before we get started, I, I didn't uh, I didn't prep you on this, um, and I I just stumbled uh, re stumbled upon it today. But I began today's show by talking about um, a uh, a small quest that we're on here, and that is to examine uh, the current mainstream that we live in, and there is a mainstream. It's undeniable. And my point, Joseph, uh, to the audience yesterday, and I fleshed it out a little bit more today, is that in the ages of faith, in the, age of what, in the ages of what we call Christendom today, there was a mainstream. It was decidedly Christian, and we could go ahead and dare say it was Catholic. It had a singular unifying force, and that was uh, being in communion and in, uh, in harmony and unison with the Church of Rome, um, uh, and this existed for over a millennia. So there was a mainstream that was Christian that did create what we know as Western... What, when we bemoan that we've gone to hell in the handbasket and we've lost our way and morality is gone and this and that and the other, we're bemoaning the loss of the age of faith, aren't we? Well, absolutely. I mean, what we call Western civilization was built upon the pillars of the Catholic Church um, and the two pillars that the Catholic Church has always espoused, and that's faith and reason. Uh, so in other words, the connection between religion and philosophy. Uh, and that, that rational basis uh, in faith was the basis of the whole culture and the whole civilization, which uh, kept the people uh, of Christendom united for, as you say, well over a thousand years. And you know, now when we say united, the reason I bring this up, uh, and, uh, and I bring it up with, with continuing or with more frequency, is because ancient, or, or what we, uh, what you would call the continent of Europe today, is facing a resurgence of its ancient enemy. Islam is ascendant. Had it not been for the church, had it not been for the dozens upon dozens of intercessions of Our Lady, Europe would have fallen to an utter diabolical conquest by the Islam, uh, by the Mohammedan hordes, wouldn't they? Well, absolutely, and again, you have to understand history, and that you know that 
things are th- things are looking grim for Europe. Um, things have looked grim in the past, and to be a Christian is to, is to uh, if you like, embrace death, but to believe in resurrection. And we've seen that in Europe. We've seen uh, there were centuries when Islam actually occupied uh, the continent, of, so the country of Spain. Uh, there were uh, there was a time when Islam got got up as far as northern France before being defeated by the uh, by the armies, the French armies under Jean Martel. Uh, on on two occasions, the Muslim uh, armies have uh, besieged as far north as Vienna, um, and of course, Eastern Europe has, has been dealing with um, the Islamic threat on and off throughout the whole uh, duration of its history. So, you know, th- this is the old enemy uh, between uh, b- b- between uh, Europe, Christian Europe, Western civilization, and uh, and Islam. And uh, the, the two cultures, um, never the twain will meet in the sense that there's, there's no compromise possible between them. And the amazing thing is we're being force-fed today here in the United States that this uh, uh, this idea that there can be some unity in pluralism and harmony with Muslims um, this is basically at the heart of this. That you have to import these, you have to, you have to immigrate these refugees. We have to accommodate them. They'll become part of the big melting pot that is America, etc., etc., etc. That is not the history of Europe, and that's not how it has previously worked, is it? No, absolutely not. And in fact, even even the so-called melting pot, uh, the United States, uh, in many ways, is the is the is the best example in history of a melting pot. Working, but that that melting pot we need to remember was kept um, uh, going. The thing about a melting pot, we and Chesterton spoke about this, is that uh, the melting pot itself mustn't melt. And if the melting pot itself is not going to melt, it has to be made of a strong enough metal not to melt. And that metal needs to be basically based upon patriotism. Um, and yes, in 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 in, uh, in the, the American experience, there was a period of economic prosperity coupled with patriotism. So there was uh, room, if you like, for for immigrants to come in. In fact, a need for immigrants. To to come in because they had an expanding economy, and when they did come in, uh, they, the whole the whole uh, psychological idea was they would become Americans. In other words, that America would not conform to them, but they would conform to America. So uh, even the melting pot, um, uh, if you if you like, has to not melt. And what we're seeing in Europe is the melting pot melting now. And 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 quite frankly, it's probably necessary because the melting pot was set in place in Europe by secular fundamentalists who have nothing but uh, but the death of Christian Europe uh, ultimately as their goal. And what we're seeing ultimately at the moment uh, with, the, with the dissolution of the European Union, which I think is imminent following Brexit, um, that we're seeing the melting pot, uh, the secular fundamentalist melting pot itself melting. And I think that what will come out of that, as well as probably, to be honest, chaos and violence, will be a rebirth of, uh, of, of Christianity. We're already seeing it in countries like Poland and Hungary. Um, and, I, and I'm actually quite, um, quite encouraged by the turn of events in Europe, in spite of the terrorism of Islam. Really? I am, indeed. I mean, basically, the thing you have to understand, Mike, is I'm a Christian, right? And uh, as a Christian, I believe the gates of hell will not prevail against uh, uh, the Church, because God himself has promised that. And then when you you balance that up with our knowledge of history, where, as I've said, you know, uh, Islam has been uh, making encroachments in Europe throughout its history. Uh, Secularism, worldliness has also been the, uh, the the perennial enemy of the church. So if you like, what we have is uh, uh, three forces at work uh, in the world. We have two forces that are basically dark and evil, and one which is good and leads to heaven. The two, the two forces that are dark and evil is, is uh, the power of Islam, and the power of secular fundamentalism, uh, and the, the power that leads to heaven is the power of the church. And ultimately, the, the power of the church will not be destroyed by the other two powers. 
That is a uh, – no, uh, I say this often that the, the gates of hell can't prevail. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean they can't be dented. <laughs> no, they can be dented. Of course they can be dented. They were dented in the sense that the Christ's own hands were dented by the nails. I mean, the point is there is no, there is no path to heaven except via the cross. So uh, the, the life on earth is always going to be a struggle between the forces of, 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 of good and the forces of evil, and that's just the way that it is. And, of course, as long as you're on the right side, which is the side of the good, you're also on the winning side. I like being on the winning side. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's forget, Mike. Let's not forget that we all die soon. You know, if I'm 55, I might get another 20 years, perhaps. But my goal is heaven, right? My goal is not heaven on earth because heaven on earth is not going to happen. Uh, the, the, basically, the way that we win is to live a virtuous life so that we reach the goal of everybody's life, which is to get to heaven. And if we don't get to heaven, quite frankly, we're miserable losers. <laughs> Chalk one up for the uh, not miserable losers. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, a piece at the uh, Magic Conservative Magazine, uh, Magic Conservative website today called The Violent Assault Upon Virtue by uh, Marion Montgomery. And he kind of writes about this. And I, I was just browsing it before you came on. And uh, I got to the, uh, to the paragraph where, where he says, this is the way I recommend it every opportunity. Examinations of those per- particles of past ideas suspended in our minds addressed to the world and so distorting our vision, such as works as Eric Vogelin's Science, Politics, and Gnosticism. And I stopped right there because I remember once upon a time when I was on the old station in the old country before my conversion, uh, when I was a fire-breathing neocon, somebody, a war- warmongering, warhawk neocon, somebody sent me a, a, a copy of Vogelin's Science and Gnosticism. And, Joseph, I tried to read, and it's not a big book. It's a little book. I tried to read that book for about six months because I was like, this will change your life. Boy, howdy, am I glad I never finished it. <laughs> and, and, and then after studying Thomistic or Scholastic Philosophy and Philosophy of Perennis, um, it then occurred to me when I picked it up about a couple of months ago and, and browsed through it again, and I was reading it, this is absolute gibberish. This is hogwash. And it occurred to me why I couldn't finish reading it because – uh, thankfully, God had uh, tinged me with just enough uh, uh, grace of uh, of knowledge that might have led to wisdom to go with my intellect screaming, uh, there is nothing for you to get here, dude. This is just psychobabble. It, it'll just pervert your mind. Unfortunately, most people today, uh, God has not uh, either chosen not to or they've not, uh, not taken the goodwill to accept the grace to ignore guys like men like Vogelin, have they? 